With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We're the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome back to another edition of the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Mike Prada, new Mike and Toe, by the way. Does it sound good, Ben? It does. You've yet to cut out 40 seconds into this podcast, so that's very good. That's good. Ben, we, I'm really excited for today's guest. Uh, there was something big that happened in the world of Giannis Antetokounmpo yesterday. Only one thing, and it was that this person is writing a book about them. Nothing else <laughs> happened to Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, the other day. We're joined by Mirren Fader, now of The Ringer, formerly of Bleacher Report, the OC Register, Slam, and for like maybe, th- I counted it, six stories, SBNation.com <laughs> back in the day. Mirren, how are you? I'm good. It's great to be with you. The name of the book is Giannis, and I'm now checking to double check the exact title. It's just Giannis, right? There's no, there's like a subtitle. Yeah. The improbable rise of an NBA ah, MVP. There you go. Yeah, that's right. I you got to say it with the voice or it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> what if I told you? No, I'm just kidding. That's a, it goes hand in hand. Uh, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, it's just so it, you announced that this book is coming out in August 2021. And then five minutes later, Giannis Antetokounmpo announced he's signing the Supermax to stay in Milwaukee. So you've probably been very popular over the last couple of days. <laughs> Everyone thinks that I somehow knew. Um, I did throw a couple of eyeball emojis, but I swear to God, I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, it's It's been crazy. It's great timing for sure. So how'd this come about? Well, I wrote a story on his youngest brother, Alex, as well as Giannis, and I hadn't intended on doing a story about both of them, but when I went to Alex's house, Giannis happened to be there. Um, I didn't think he was going to be there. I know they live together. Um, And I was around them for like a day, and I watched their interactions together, and it seemed you know, it was a story about both of them. And it kind of revealed a bit more about Giannis. And the more I saw these vulnerable sides of Giannis, um, I thought, you know what, I think this would be a great book, um, because it's, it's a human story. Yes, he is a trans, you know, he's, he's a transcendent player, but the human side is so much more interesting to me. And those are the stories that I love to write. So I kind of wanted to bring readers into a different side of Giannis. You know, everyone talks about the Greek freak, but, you know, they talk about his athleticism, but 
they really miss his mind. So my hope with the book is to give you an inside look into his mind and sort of the other sides that, you know, maybe people don't know too much about. That's awesome. I, I guess, would you say that from what you know so far, that something like the Supermax won't have very much effect on the person that you're telling the story about? Because obviously there's going to be a big before and after of the, the, the contract itself, the speculation, the uncertainty, uh, obviously where you're starting kind of writing to, to when you publish the book and he'll be year one into his Supermax. Yeah, I think as far as, so there's two levels, right? The money that never changes him. I think he, he was so used to being without growing up that um, he still doesn't, it's, it's almost still surreal. Um, he's used to having money, but he's still, you know, hesitant in certain ways to spend it. And I think that um, he's never lost that sense of being careful and, and being down to earth and humble. Um, and so I think money doesn't, doesn't really change him. I think he's happiest when he is just in his sweatsuit <laughs> on the way to a game, ready to play. It's it's very authentic. It's very genuine. I think the only thing that changes is that there's even more urgency as far as from a team standpoint. There was always urgency with him, um, but I think now it's like, yeah, the, he made this big decision and things need to change and we're going to see it out. Um, so I think with him, this has been a dream for so long. It's, it's so fun to look back at clips from 2013. And he even said during that awful 15 win season, I want a championship. I want to bring a championship. And so I think, you know, this year for him, it's just such a big step. It shows the commitment. He's never lost sight of that dream. It's funny you say, I think it's true. You're right. Money won't change him, but you often hear, that sort of thing about players who then leave places like Milwaukee to go win because they have to sacrifice money on NBA on the way the contracts are set up, but they care about winning more than money. And yet here's a person who chose to stay in Milwaukee and whatever you, whatever specifics were are part of that, that's a powerful statement. It always annoyed me like kind of when people would talk about this decision as if it's like any other superstar decision to stay, like as if he's like Anthony Davis, as if he's like, I mean, right now, James Harden, where it's like, do you stay in the small market or win in the big market? And that's all that it really comes down to. It seems to me like given his background and sort of given how he is, we should have been thinking to ourselves, he's going to do something that defies what our expectation here always. Um, and so I'm curious if that sort of resonates with you too. Like, is this a, are you surprised that he's he's staying or is this very much in tune with who he is? I'm not surprised because it is a classic example of who he is. He is somebody that remembers the first guy that taped, you know, put ice bags on his knees in Milwaukee. So a guy who remembers the intern from five, six years ago who did that and never forgets that and knows people by name, every single usher there, team attendant is not somebody I think that would leave. But I think everything about Giannis kind of defies convention, right? All the things you just outlined, his game itself, you know, not having really a jump shot in this era, like everything about him is different. Um, you know, not being one of those flashy superstars that likes the media attention, you know, like I said, he's comfortable in his sweatpants. He's not trying to make an entrance fashion wise. Every single thing about him is different. And so I think that staying might seem different to other people, but for him, 
I think it makes so much sense. If you look at um, Josh Oppenheimer, the assistant coach that uh, is now back with the team, that was his guy in 2013. I mean, they spent hours shooting together after practice and he never forgets that. And so, yes, even though there's been what three coaching staffs that have uh, come and gone in his tenure there, he, yeah, yeah. there's, there's, there's been so much change, so many mentors and players to come in and out. But the one thing that stays the same is like him, his commitment to people that were loyal to him, took a chance on him, took a gamble on him, believed in him. And so I think this decision is like, Oh, of course. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and yet there was plenty of doubt. Yeah, there in. was. There was. It could have gone. I mean, I, I felt both ways. I'm sorry to interrupt. I felt both ways. I, I could see it if he stayed, and I could see it if he left. I mean, that. But I do think it now that it's happened. It's like, oh yes, that very much fits in line with the person that we we think we know. I think part of that is obviously just the the way that things have progressed over the last couple of years. I mean, we've, we've watched guys with multiple years left on contracts, move themselves to different organizations, different cities um, with little regard probably for the city and their impact on said city. And, and that's not to say that some players don't hold, sorry, someone's opened door. Uh, some play, players don't hold uh, the fan base and the communities around them in super high regard, but also understand the transactional nature uh, of the game. I mean, it, people move from city to city all the time. Uh, there's always going to be a relationship to loving kind of one place you're from. I'll give you an example. In the NFL world, like Malcolm Jenkins still has a home in Philadelphia and considers himself who, who, a big part of the that? fabric. He's a, he's a safety. Plays, he plays football. What sport is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, well, it's, it's not aptly named because they don't really use their feet very much, Mike, but it's this sport in America that's pretty popular. Um, and so... <laughs> Anyhow, they uh, Jenkins is still a big part of the city itself, but it feels like in the NBA there's such a a larger attachment to like individual players. It's all happening right now. Dog is barking. Like my wife is opening yeah, up the door. I Very can, respectful. Uh, She's a, in audio herself. Does voiceover work for a number of um, entities, and yet still just like comes in to just shit all over this podcast um okay i'll start i'll I'll keep going on this i'll keep going on this thought it's okay it's okay um and so i'm one i'm wondering too like if we're just conditioned to be a little salty as fans and like think that players are always looking to angle for maybe the more uh uh, selfish reason which ultimately is totally fine also because they've got to look out for themselves in their short period of of what it means to monetize your career uh, and make a career and put whatever that means first and foremost, whether that's money or winning or, you know, hopefully both in, in the best case scenarios. Um, and so I think we kind of maybe the, the external and the Twitter world itself put so much emphasis, like golden state's got a vocal fan base. The heat have a vocal fan base. The, the people trying to will uh, through nothing more than, than conjecture and rumors, you know, they have a powerful voice. And then once that's on the table, it starts swirling around. Some but certain, I'm not, media, I, you know, certain media companies. Yeah. No, I'm so I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious, like, um, are you going to get to go to Greece to like, obviously it's a covid world have you been before like are you gonna get to go to like his roots and find out about the young Giannis? well yes i um had planned to go in june of this year and then corona was like stop it right there um so i think hopefully if i can get the vaccine and fast track it in late february i will um willing to take the risk exploring visas right now it just depends on right now you're not you can't go to greece like as an american so i'm just sort of waiting to see like entry rules changing but Mm. 
I, I need the book to feel like Sepolia, where he grew up, and I need the book to also feel like Milwaukee. And I think to your point of what you just said, anything we talk about Giannis, you have to think about geography and place. To understand what he means to Milwaukee, you have to understand like the psyche of the Milwaukee fan. Everything about being a Bucks fan is is constantly this fear of being left. The team was like always under siege of leaving since, mm. you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 71, that championship team, and they're glorious. And then a couple years later, gone. Um, will will the Bucks stay in Milwaukee? Years of tumult, Senator Cole saying he'll keep the team. He won't, he will, he does. But I think as a Milwaukee fan, and I'm not from Milwaukee, I'm just speaking from my reporting, there is always this fear of leaving. And if you look at Giannis, his decision and what it means to the fan base is a totally different lens than a Golden State person. And I think it's it's when you're looking at the Bucks' reactions to this moment, it is because for the first time in a really long time, you can kind of be at peace. Like he's they're not leaving. They're here. And I think like, yes, like you want you want to win a championship. But this is symbolic in like decades long uh you know, efforts to retain a superstar. Totally. And, and not just any, and I guess it's like, and not just any superstar, like this is, this is the league with the most skewed value pertaining to the highest paid player on any given team. And then that relating to the, you know, the highest max contract you can get, his value is so much greater, probably aside from the LeBron contract, which will always be undervalued. This max contract is still a value contract for, for the box. You know, it's, it's, it's it's the it's just like I, I guess part of this is that players move in all sports, but the the scarcity of truly right. impact yeah. players is there's like four maybe every decade right and so you you take to lose might that. be one and, yeah you know, it might be one of those players you know Ben you were talking a little bit about cynicism I think the word you were searching for I think you used the word salty I, I would have said cynicism yeah. this idea that yep. yeah. From a Milwaukee perspective, Mirren, as you said, it's, oh, they're just going to leave anyway. From an NBA fan perspective, it's, oh, the best players just want to team up and play with each other in big markets. They want to, and they don't really care about where they're at, you know, under, I, I mean, they don't, they don't choose to play in Milwaukee. It wasn't his choice. He got drafted there, but, but Giannis has always been someone that has defied cynicism. You know, this is, I mean, his, his background story is, I mean, they're literally making a movie about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I, I'm curious about with the book and with your your time with Alex for that story and kind of learning Giannis is, as a reporter, you have a slight bit of cynicism. We all kind of have to, to be able to kind of really see what's going on there. How do you sort of maintain some level of that, but also kind of how do you tell that like what's going on with Giannis is sort of real and different and something, something that's not just lip service. Some of the things that he talks about, like some of the, his background, his commitment to Milwaukee, all this stuff really about, I mean, in your story, he talks so much like he's his older brother that Alex reveres. How do you parse through and see like kind of what's real and what's not? You have to, um, you have to dig and dig and and report and report. So I'm at 180 interviews uh, now. And I think if 180 people are telling you similar things about this guy, that is, it's, it's extraordinary. You know, I have profiled a lot of NBA players 
and you will have some guys that say, you know what? He's actually not, Oh, this guy is not what he says he is. He's kind of a jerk. He's like Giannis literally does not have that. And I think you can trust it because like you're doing the work of talking to people mm-hmm. that know him. And I, and I think the difference is he was not always this. So I think, you know, he is different in so many regards, you know, which really fits into what we're talking about here because nobody thought he'd be anything. So I think it's literally, you you literally, you believe it because not like, not like Steph Curry. Oh, he wasn't going to be a good basketball player. Like literally he was going to be nothing. Literally. They couldn't uh, find enough game film that wasn't grainy enough to evaluate whether he was legit skilled or not, not knowing if there are numbers on the back of the jersey to determine what team right. this guy's playing on, well, even, like from even yeah. beyond that, I mean, Nigerian immigrant living so in yeah. Greece, so poor with uh, those brothers. I mean, in another world, he's literally still on the street uh, in a right. way that I mean, a lot of NBA players have kind of these hard backgrounds where there is sort of yeah. they do live on this razor's edge, but his is different. I think it's even di- more pronounced. It's different. Oh, go go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, 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 uh, Miriam, go ahead. It's different because, um, because his story is bigger than him. So if you look at what's going on in Greece right now, there are so many Black Greek um, children of immigrants that do not have citizenship. The way that he got citizenship because all of a sudden he had value to play in the NBA. So I think you you know Giannis is fascinating from a lot of standpoints. On the one hand, he says, "Hey." you could be a supermax player when you come to the league and you don't even know if you're going to crack the rotation. Like we don't even know if you're going to stay and, and but then go into the D league. The evolution can happen. I think he he's an extraordinary story about scouting. How do we find talent? How do we evaluate talent? Um, and then third, it's like um, he is a great example of allowing young players to develop like i think the nba is so fascinating to me because they want their players at their youngest and most developed which is an oxymoron (laughs) to me and Giannis was not developed and he was super young so i think this is a great tale of like it's authentic because we saw the evolution you know and it stands as such a contrast to i mean i hate to use lebron as like the the flip side of this but you know we've watched lebron progress on espn since he was 16 years old and, and fulfill every bit of the the prophecy if you will of his you know expected success even more so somehow right he has eclipsed our expectations whereas to your point Giannis is um we you know we don't even have that understanding of his first semi-professional basketball or whatever, second to third division, whatever it was in Greece. Um, he just sort of appeared in this league as a, as a, a skinny, obviously, you know, talented, but what would he become? You know, and we got to see this all happen in a professional level, not to mention the grace of being a good person seems to be genuine and taking all of the ebbs and flows of, of what it means to be sort of the, uh, the superstar of your city. And I think last year, I mean, it, you don't have to look any further than the leadership he took um, in, 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 you know, the protests. Um, uh, yes. he, yeah. he, he, he assumed a mantle that no one asked him to, but that he wanted to. And that might have a direct relationship to what you, know, you just said, Miran, about his, his um, you know, upbringing slash the acceptance of being part of a, a community and, and standing up for that, um, whether that's where your home 
you know, where you're born or where you call home uh, as an adult now. And so I, I think he's just, you know, in a very short period of time, taken a lot of uh, and that the national attention isn't the right way to describe it, but like for the right reasons, he's become a story that keeps evolving and growing. Uh, and this Supermax deal, you know, popping up and becoming a speculative thing that could have been sort of maybe his first villainous uh, relationship to the the economy of the league and then going in the right direction, like another good step for the for the likable yeah, nature of it. You know, if you're if you're a fan of the Miami Heat, you probably don't. Think I mean, you know, if you're if you're a fan of the Miami Heat, you'll figure out a way to you know to call to to get another <laughs> star in another trade yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not well, worrying about the Miami yeah. Heat fans right now. Right. It seems to me, and and you know, you obviously know the family so well. It seems to me from the outside that there are sort of two different forces that kind of pull on Giannis. One is the loyalty and the remembering where you're from. And it just comes across so well in your story on Alex, this sort of feeling like you need to lift everybody up around you. You need to push Alex. You know, they're all the kids are basketball players. That was their way out remembering where they're from. And then on the other side, you have what, I mean, there's a really good story on ESPN about this just now. This guy is like, I mean, all great NBA players are, but this guy is like super fucking maniacal competitive. You know, there's a story that Malik Andrews told about him wearing sunglasses while playing Uno so you can get a read on his face. Like, it's not poker. I don't understand why you need the sunglasses, but he felt like he did. Um, and again, I feel like those two things from the outside would push him in opposite directions. Because if he wants to win, you know, there's an argument that Milwaukee, given they have peaked, uh, and that they haven't been able to surround him with the right cast. But there's also... The element of duty that I think is very different with him compared to other stars. How do you think those two things are, are playing out as he continues to, as as his career has grown, as he is about to enter this next stage? Do you see the contradiction like I do? It's interesting. I see what you're saying. Um, I guess I just view them as more related than contradicting because I think like to your, to your point about duty, you know, for them to believe in him, he, it's almost like, like there's a quote at the draft where he said, I will prove to them that they made the right decision. And so I think even though obviously he's done that, I think there is this sense of like, loyalty and giving back and I want to give them a championship I want it for myself but it's like it is the sense of loyalty that he has despite all the coaching changes that have happened over the years so I think the the competitiveness is he so his his brothers say his number one trait is that he's stubborn they use the word stubborn mm -hmm. he believes that like no we can do you know i'm gonna win i gotta do this and it's it's interesting it, it relates to the sunglasses thing but stubborn is a little bit of different connotation it's like no matter what people say whether they say oh you got to go somewhere else to win or all these things i think the stubbornness that trait inside is what allows him to well, why can't I bring a championship to Milwaukee? And he has reason to believe that, right? Rookie year, 15 wins, you know, got to a season where they won like 60. So I think like there, he, he has shown that like, it is possible to do things that are not expected. So I, I think it's like, it's a duty. Like you said, it's a great word. And these are traits too, that like a lot of stars have, what makes, is it just, 
his background as a Greek Nigerian immigrant uh, and his background as a player that makes him different than some. I mean, some of the things I hear is like you could describe Jimmy Butler in a similar way, you know, comes from absolutely nothing. He was homeless. That dude is really fucking stubborn. And but they're very different people as well. Um, what is it that you think separates Giannis from some of those other players? Is it is it really just his background in Greece, or is there something else? Or is that like what the book is about? Are you trying to figure that out? Yes, I will be figuring that out. But I think um, I think it's it's one thing to go without food uh, for a couple of days, and it's another to go without food, and then you get a piece of bread or yogurt and you say, well, I, I'm going to give it to my brother. So I think Giannis is, I think what's different is he's always been a patriarchal figure, even when his dad was alive, even though he did have an older brother, Giannis has always been like a provider. And so that, that does something to you at 12 years old thinking like, well, I have a responsibility to my youngest, you know, I think that that does something to you. Um, so I think with him, like he's, he just matured very quickly and like you like you said, there's a lot of players that have to grow up quickly because of horrible circumstances. But I think it's just different because globally it's like, okay, well, you didn't have any rights. You couldn't, you know, you lived in fear of, you know, your parents being deported, all these things. Like those are very different issues. And, um, you know, he, I just think mentally he's on a different level as well. Um, Again, I think people focus so much on the athleticism, but what makes him different is the mental durability. Um, people don't really talk about that as much. Yeah, absolutely. What, hey, what what else has fascinated you? Like, what are his other interest points? Like, if it's not basketball, what what is something that we and people listening to this probably don't know about Giannis and that they'll learn more about in your book, but that you can preview a little bit here about interests that stimulate him that might lead to his growth and success on, on the court, but that are ultimately, you know, a a different persuasion of ways to be competitive or to learn or to express himself. Um, I think he, it's a good question. I'm gotta be careful. Um, (laughs) I saw that he, um, I think, um, I think I think you have to be around his brothers to see the hard work everyone talks about the hard work but I I think like there is something about pushing other people that pushes you and like when he says things like you know I think my brothers can be better than me it's not hyperbolic like I think like people don't realize the severity to that statement and how much that motivates him and has changed him. Um, so I think like, I don't, you know, I don't have kids or younger siblings, but I do think like there is a wider lens in which a person views life when there are responsibilities beyond basketball. And I think Giannis has always had a wider lens because he didn't even like basketball at first. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the book will give you perspective on like, yes, he has come to love this game more than anything, but there's so many other priorities that that drive him. And I really hope the book will make people understand where that drive comes from and how it's not just some separate thing that happened. I think a lot of sports writing, there's a classic formula. So-and-so is really good. Here's why. Back in time. Here's when they started playing. Dip back up to the present. And I think what Giannis' story 
forces us to contend with is that dip down is not a dip down. It informs everything that happens right now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's continuous and it doesn't it doesn't go away. It doesn't it's it's not like, oh, this is the past and this is the present. They they always merge. In that spirit, and I, I want to talk about that that point in more general terms after we take a quick break. But before we take a quick break, in that spirit, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for him going forward, given what you know about him? Not no, now that he's signed the contract, now that he's under contract at least for five more years. What's the what do you think is the biggest challenge for him in order to maintain the type of person that you know him to be? Being okay with not. Uh playing 24 seven and working out 24 seven, like they literally have to pull him out of the gym. Um, I think when you want something so bad, you, you like rest is a form of work. Um, and I think like (laughs) that has been a thing for him. So I think, you know, we're in this era of load management again, he defies. Um, and so I think that'll be interesting for him as he gets older and matures, like how can they best use him, but still be effective and, prevent injury especially with the way that he plays so I think that will be a challenge because the rest he can't control right like if they build the team around him if they gel if they do all these things like you know coaching those are like it's kind of not in his control I think the second thing is like everyone talks about the jump shot right well you know honestly I it's it's hard to figure out because he shot so much better earlier in his career. So you're kind of just like, it's a, it's a bit of a head scratcher, but I think um, figuring out like what, where that fits. Um, everyone wants to talk about the form, but I don't think it's really about the form. I think it's just like, where does this fit in your game? Does it need to fit in your game? Like at all? Like, I think that's a valid question um, given how, phenomenal he is downhill so I think that'll be another question of just how do what is the next level for you how do you want to evolve well I have a I have a lot of thoughts on that (laughs) that we can talk about in another podcast (laughs) Um, you know I would say that the form is it's it is about the form but it's not about the form at the same time because the form he has he has the form he has because of his disposition like because of bigger factors um yes yeah. It is important. I don't want to say it's not. I'm just saying like there's a lot of factors at play. Right. Yeah. It's just it's very stiff. I feel like there's a connection between that and how stubborn you say he often is and just sort of the stiff push forwardness. You need to sort of be loose when you shoot the ball. And it's you know, if you're not loose, it's hard to shoot it well. This is just yeah. crack I mean, I don't know shit. I'm just saying a crack theory. Um but yeah, Ben uh, real quick, I want to take a quick break, uh, but I wanna talk about what you we're saying about sort of the cliched sports profile and how you avoid that when we come back. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. Work productivity in this economy? Yep, 2020 has already reshaped how we work. Thankfully, it's almost over, although the worst may be yet to come. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so it can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. By the way, hello guys, quality candidate here. Anyway, unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. 
You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job. That makes Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering limited upside listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts. That means more quality candidates will see it fast, including maybe me. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Good news if you're disappointed like me that the NBA season is over. Or at least it's good news for people who, unlike me, love this sport, which appears to be the majority of this country. The wait's finally over. Football is back. For now, at least. But probably for a while. You might not be at a game this year. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. There will be a winner for the NFC East, I promise. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, B L U E W I R E. All one word. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back, Limited Upside Podcast. Ben, how are you? Still, Still here, Mike. Enjoying this conversation. We're talking to Mirren Fader, now of the Ringer, formerly of Bleacher Report, the premier athlete profiler. I think uh, on in that works in sports today. She's writing a book about Giannis Antetokounmpo that was announced five minutes after Giannis, before Giannis Antetokounmpo announced he was staying in Milwaukee. So you beat him. You beat him to the punch. Congratulations. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more generally about what you do. And you said something interesting in the last segment, which is sort of the cl- trying to avoid the cliched sports profile of the guy has advanced past certain stages of their life. Like they were... At this stage, then they oh, they went past it, and now they're at a different stage, and everything that happened before doesn't really inform much. Uh, and you think that, that that's just like not how Giannis is, and that's really not how most people are. So how else do you try to avoid kind of falling into the trap of this is almost like a form letter, these profiles? Like, how do you make sure that it's unique to the person, but it's also still the themes are universal enough that people can understand? I think that I don't really ask about the sport until like way into the interview. Like you wouldn't even know, like if you were an alien that dropped in on our interview and you didn't know anything about sports, you would have no idea I was interviewing a professional athlete. Um, I think so. The first thing is just, can we connect on a human level? Like, where do you come from? What, what did your parents do? Um, were you, what did you like to do as a kid? 
you know, what was your disposition like? So I think it just, when you show them that you care about them, it's just an authentic conversation that's not rooted in like, all right, well, tell me about your max deal. And I think like you are much more willing to, you're, you're going to get more authentic answers when you do want to pivot to those topics later on. Cause they are important, you know, like I am writing sports profiles, but I say I write about sports, but I'm really writing about people. And I think that that is how you avoid the cliche. And, and there's, there's a part that really bothers me in sports writing. I don't know why it came, it started becoming this like overcoming, you know, genre. And I've done it before. We all do it. That's so much a part of it. But I think there's ways to make it not feel so cheesy because like, think about your own life. Like something that happened to you 10 years ago probably still affects you. And, and you would want to like afford that same humanity and empathy to your subjects too right like it's Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of it's kind of like you know you wake up every day like you think you know who you are you think you know what you're about or you don't know who you are you don't know what you're about but you do have these collection of experiences that inform your sense of like who you are and what you're about and what you want and my job is to find out who you are and what you want and what keeps you up and, and what gnaws at you. Like, that's my job. So, you know, I think with Giannis, like I'm less interested in the max deal and I'm more interested in what keeps you up at night. Um, and I think you avoid cliche stories by trying to get to that, you know? Yeah. And I think also in doing so, you basically answer your own question in the end, because a decision like a max contract is made based on so many life experiences. And if you start without answering the question, you eventually, like everything that you, we, you've talked about with him, it may, it makes the decision that he made make more sense because you're basically cataloging experiences and showing them. And then once you add all those up, then it starts to, I think sometimes what, what, what you're describing I think happens when you sort of work the other way, which is just so easy to do. And it's so much harder to work your way. Yes, but then also remembering that there is a distance that even if I know your deepest, darkest traumas, even if I know that one time and, you know, 11 years old, blah, blah, blah happened, like I still don't know you. And I think like it's a fundamental question outside of writing. Can we ever really know a person? And it's the same as it's the same as in profiles. So like one thing that really bothers me is when I see a quote, so-and-so is like the writer says like so-and-so is a great basketball player, even better person, you know, like, I'm just like, Oh, kill me. Because I think, um, (sighs) so, so many times I have thought somebody was this way and then I find something out and, you know, it really throws everything. I, I, I think nobody's all good or all bad. We're all complicated. So stay away from value judgments and more so just, you know, show the messy human parts, you know? And I think like, um, it's also just more interesting. I'm just more interested in that. I know there's a complete segment of the, you know, sports writing that doesn't care about that, which is totally fine. And I, I think we all have to figure out like, what, what are we interested in reading about or thinking about or talking about? And I think they're all relevant. You know, you have people that are very deep dive on the numbers and then people are more human and people who do a little bit of both. I think that's, what's cool is there's a lot of different perspectives going on. Yeah. Then you also don't want to paint that that 360 picture of someone 
to have them, I think about this a lot, right? That I'm not going to use the term, Mike. I'm not going to use the word you're looking for here. Yeah, um, I'm looking for it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to use just it. Use it uh, Come and, on, just use it. Uh, so I think about like like Tiger Woods a lot, right? I love using other sports analogies, even though this is a basketball podcast. Tiger had a story written about him that had nothing to do with who he actually was. The narrative didn't meet the person. Then when the veil was removed, there was a period of time where people had to reconfigure how they talk about a person who is now a lot more controversial, had committed adultery, didn't, you know, on different drugs and in different situations that had nothing to do with this cerebral winner at golf, right? This, this kind of win at all costs or whatever it may be person. And now he's been able to tread those waters in a way that he's now, you know, taken a 180 and now everyone can write their sanctimonious pieces about tiger woods and how grady is is a a later aged you know adult now and not this kid that he was when he maybe won the masters or that immature professional who had the world at his fingertips and and fucked up um and i'm wondering when you when you kind of look at the arc of an individual and i guess it's good that you're you completely take this in the perspective of not speaking in those platitudes understanding that people are you know multi-dimensional and that there's a lot more than what we see as the consumers of their basketball product and what you're going to probably uncover and already have in your 180 plus interviews. But I'm, I'm wondering if, if, and what you see as, and this doesn't have to be like uh, positive to negative to positive again, but it, is there an arc to Jan? Like what is Giannis's like world, the life career arc? Like we know the first part of his story a little bit, we see what's happening right now in, in sort of the midsection of this, uh, of this book, if you will. Um, what do you think his arc is? What do you, what do you think he takes the, the latter part of his career, five, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What is, what is Giannis doing? Yeah, I think the arc is a classic one of coming of age and metamorphosis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's two tracks. There's coming of age metamorphosis into a man, a, um, a father, a uh, still grieving the death of his own father and how that connects to his new child and his brother. So there's that, that's an ongoing Mm. thing. And then the other arc is like evolving into an actual basketball player. Like I know it sounds so simple, but literally not just the body um, because we know he went from like a twig to, you know, a Greek God. Um, (laughs) But I think the metamorphosis is, it's multiple levels. Um, Leader, um, person that was just trying to, you know, beat out uh, Jabari Parker. How long ago was that? To like, mm-hmm. to, you know, to like the face of positionless basketball or right. whatever, you know? I So I think there's these two tracks of, of metamorphosis and like, mm. um, and it never stops. That's the thing with him. It never stops. It's not just like, yes, he needs to improve his jump shot. Like we talked about. It's so much deeper than that. It's just the, the level that he wants to, you know, push himself and prove like that that's kind of like a never ending journey. Right. The idea of an arc is something very interesting. And I've been reading a lot of Joseph Campbell recently, uh, the hero of a thousand faces, that sort of stuff. And I think about this a lot with the stuff you do, because as you said, everybody sort of has different experiences that make up who they are, but we as human beings follow grander themes that shape who we are. We follow arcs. We have archetypes. Uh, the Giannis story is interesting, not just because of the sum of its experiences, but because of everything that he represents. And sports is in particular a tricky 
avenue for this because so many people know Giannis only from what he is on the court. And your job is to find out what he is off the court. But your job also, without really being able to say this, is to sort of find a way to connect the two so that a person who doesn't know Giannis can understand them far better. And that seems like an interesting, delicate balance between going too far into like someone's got to fill an archetype. But also, you're not a, just a bunch of random experiences. You're, these experiences add up to something that we, the reader, need to understand about any, any person. But, you know, athletes are the ones that you just happen to write about. But this is true of if, you know, I profile Ben or if Ben profiled me. How do you straddle the line there? Like, you know, in your sort of writing, how do you sort of make it so that everybody's got their own story, but it still fits into classic themes um, that anyone that your readers can understand. I mean, I think it's your, when you go into a story, you don't really know what it's about. And I think it's the mistake that a lot of people make is they go into it thinking they know, and they're trying to find stuff to confirm the arc or whatever legit legit that's like my biggest issue when writing a piece is that like just if something throws me off and it's not what i expect and it doesn't fit like kind of a theme i've established it takes me a long time to kind of recalibrate the rest of it that's why i haven't written a newsletter piece for a week and a half because the thing i'm writing about is just sort of throwing me off yeah i think it's like I go into an interview and this is the same I'm learning. It's this, you know, book is like different, same language, different dialect. So I think like, it's the same with sports writing. It's like when you go into an interview with a player, you have questions that you're curious about and things that you want to know. You have a general sense of like the arc or what you think it's going to be, but you kind of have to erase that at the door. You don't know where it's going to take you. And like, that's the fun part, like not knowing. And I think like you're much more, yeah, much more agility to pivot and find out more than if you come in with a script that you're trying to fill in. You're not trying to – nobody gave you a coloring book and then said after the interview you'll be able to stencil it in. Right. Essentially, like, you have a blank sheet of paper with knowledge and then you're creating by, <sighs> by vulnerability and, right. like, communication and stuff. You know, like, some of my, some of my most, like, enjoyable stories – were all things that I did not expect. I went to Lithuania to write about, like, I thought it was going to be like a very fun 15-year-old basketball air takes Europe, and it turned into be this, like, horrible, oh, my God, we're, like, trapped in this snow (laughs) farm town, and look at this shit show of a league, and it, it, you know, but but if I ignored what I was seeing then that's not journalism. Like I can't, mm. I have to, I have to like be open to let the story take me somewhere and then just go and then figure it out. Right. And at the same time too, you also have to have the background knowledge of your head of your prior preconceived notions to be like, so this is what's actually happening. And it's actually happening to the ball family. Like these people who cannot possibly escape the spotlight. So knowing like kind of where you were at before helps inform, I think, the storytelling tone of what you tell, yep. right? Because yep. people who don't get to observe that, that's how they see the Ball Brothers. So in a way, your prior like sort of preconceived notions are still really valuable to storytelling. Yes. And yes. like just and sort of how it's framed and 
Maybe yeah, I'm thinking about I, this like an editor, and this is just like another one of our old calls about like what the what is the story. Um, I I agree, and I think that um, I think it's like you're trying to find new layers. You know, you're trying to um, you're trying to figure out like what don't people know about this person. So if I'm aware that Pat Beverly is a very loud person, I want to see if there are softer sides, and so I go right. in with it thinking I know this side of him, but being open to new sides, right. you know? Mm. So sort of um, like defies, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hey, it's it's a really hard thing. We could talk about this for a really long time. Yeah, I know I just, we have we have a stop now as, as uh, time is time is money, and there's a press tour to be done here, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> no, 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 I'm, no, I'm in the no. same boat, Mirren. I yeah, also you, have this other, you know. Time, your press tour, mm-hmm. yes. What's your my press, press tour? About? Well, I have to walk the dog, and my cat's looking at me because I picked up her, uh, her laser pointer, and that triggered her. So uh, yeah, a lot of big things happening here. No, um, but uh, Miriam, we we greatly appreciate your time. Um, you were the only person we wanted to talk to uh, when it when it came to Giannis and and this past week. Um, and wishing you all the success uh, and as few brain cramps as possible as you move into <laughs> to writing this book. Please keep. Maybe we'll have you on just to, uh, again to just give Mike more tips about how to keep moving along his book as well. But um, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll check in with you as the season progresses, um, and, and there will only be more and more things to talk about um, as Giannis goes for his third consecutive MVP season, which real is quick, uh, a crazy anything, thing. Yeah, real quick, is anything coming soon on the Ringer that we should be looking out for? Have you written? Have, has your first piece come yet? I don't think it has. No, January. I have two in January. So, but yeah, oh. thank you. Thank you so much for having me and anytime. And I would love to nerd out about book writing with you, Mike. So anytime. <laughs> I'll give you a call. Well, thank you again so much. This is really great. This has been a special edition of the limited upside podcast. Oh.